This is The Bullpen on 1027 ESPN with Patrick Osborne and Brandon Elkins. Opinions are welcome at 512-834-1027. And welcome to The Bullpen. It is the Wednesday edition. I believe this is Wednesday, right? It absolutely is Wednesday. This is Wednesday. I start getting confused this time of the week. Is it still right to say Wednesday hump day or is that... No, I think it's, I think it's perfectly fine to say that. In fact, I actually have my own terms. I think we, I've gone over this on the show before, but it's basically my life. It's Monday, Monday part two, yeah, Monday exactly. part three, Monday right. part four, and then Friday. Isn't it supposed to be spam day and then spam and spam and then spam? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Or, or fry day. Friday. That is Friday. Friday. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. Uh, as you can tell, uh, Brandon Elkins out today. In for him is the great Johnny Rude. Thank how, you for having me. How Glad are you, my friend? Here. I'm good. Good. Don't yeah. forget, you know, you, you want to later on. You can just flip over to another one of our stations, 93.7, for some rock and roll. That is Seven right. at midnight. Seven to midnight with Johnny Rude, huh? Got to get me up early this morning. I'm, I'm ready to go. Well, we appreciate you sitting in with us. we got a whole lot to get to today. And we're going to kick things off in the state of Mississippi. We're an investigative report by the uh, media outlet. Mississippi Today has revealed that former Mississippi Governor Phil Bryant helped former NFL quarterback Brett Favre obtain welfare funds to help build a new volleyball center at the University of Southern Mississippi. Text messages from 2017 and 2019 uh, filed this week in the state of Mississippi's civil lawsuit over misspent welfare funds. Uh, They uh, filed by an attorney representing Nancy New, who's already pleaded guilty to 13 felony counts of bribery, fraud, and racketeering for her role in the welfare scheme. She's the founder of the Mississippi Community Education Center, tasked with spending tens of millions of federal welfare funds to help the state. And state auditors have determined nonprofit leaders misspent at least $77 million in welfare funds. Largest case of public fraud in Mississippi history. Yeah, you have to think about this. Now, Mississippi is, I mean, they've been decimated by some storms. Right. They've had a lot of things that haven't gone their way. Did you really need to to siphon off, and I know $77 million is the entire amount, but the, the money that they took just to build a volleyball court stadium. Right. When Brett Favre's daughter was playing volleyball. Correct. For his college alma mater. Correct, also. And I'm trying to hold my tongue as much as I can being a Chicago Bears fan. Now you can let it fly. This is nothing new to us. I mean, he has had a... mm, Not the best reputation even when he was in the league. The media has always portrayed him as the media darling. Yeah, you're right. You're right. The can do the... the, Yes, he's the the, the the all-American kid. Throwing the football in the the Wrangler jeans. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, so it looks like uh, these some of these text messages have shown, because you, you talk about siphoning some of this off for the volleyball court, uh, it shows, the text show I'm discussing how at least $5 million in this welfare funds could be used to build that volleyball stadium at Southern Miss, which, as you so aptly put, his daughter attended. Right. Th- this was during the time his daughter was going there, and he played ball for Southern Miss as well. I just like the fact, and we're going to get to this in a second, the actual verbiage of these texts, and then after we read you what was said in these texts, both sides denying that these even happened. That's right. That's right. So, go ahead. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, one of these texts here, this is in 2019, Brett Favre uh, to this uh, Nancy New says, if you were to pay me, is there any way the media can find out where it came from and how much? She says, we never have that information publicized. And then uh, just about the day later, said, we just got off the phone with Phil Bryant, governor at the time. He's on board with us. We will get this done. I mean, these are texts. These aren't just assumed. These right. are... Hey, somebody had these on record, and then just a little bit, a couple of years later, Bryant also then texted and was asked again about more help. I mean, Brett has just, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but of course, his attorney—they all lawyered up, and his attorney, which Bud Holmes. I mean, if, if you need an attorney and you're in Mississippi, I'd choose somebody named Bud. It certainly sounds like a man from Mississippi, doesn't exactly, it? Absolutely, with a, with a white suit and a bow tie. But he says, quote, Brett Favre has been honorable throughout this whole thing, unquote. Perhaps he has. Mm-hmm. You know, he told Mississippi Today, I believe that's it, yeah, Mississippi Today, back in 2020, he'd not discussed the volleyball stadium project at all with Brian. Brian, again, let's go back a couple of years. Here are the text messages. Yeah. Uh, with that, one would appear to, uh, well, Favre would appear to be uh, maybe not dabbling in the truths here. Although I guess if you looked at the verbiage, they don't specifically say what this money is for. That's true. I guess is that the That's wiggle true. room they have? The legal wiggle room is that they don't actually say the volleyball stadium. Yeah, I think that I certainly think that that would help in their legal defense. Uh, absolutely, it would. Now, there's another part to this too. Uh, uh, Favre 
uh, last year he paid back $600,000 to the state of Mississippi. That's an amount that he'd been paid for speeches he never gave. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, he was commissioned in 17 and 18 to promote a state poverty fighting initiative. He got $1.1 million for this. So the state auditor's office reported that he gave back the initial $500,000. Earlier this month, he was asked to repay the remainder with interest. So that don't just forget that because right there they kind of gloss over the fact that he paid six hundred. They had to make him they had pay. To make him right. He didn't voluntarily pay six hundred thousand dollars. Right. He voluntarily paid five hundred thousand dollars. Right. I mean, this is something that they've had to to pull from him. Right. He's not eagerly giving this money back, and so consequently, he's going to have to cough up an additional two hundred twenty-eight thousand in interest. But the filing obtained by Mississippi today, according to these text messages, the one point one million dollar deal with the state of Mississippi was another means of funding the volleyball project. So, yet again, it wraps back around to the fact that Brett Favre and Phil Bryant aren't really being truthful about this, very exactly. likely. And let's wrap this back to what that 1.1 was originally for, a poverty-fighting initiative. In a, state, ironic? in a state where poverty poverty is overwhelming in some places, that they're taking, or he specifically took $1.1 million mm-hmm. and directed that towards something completely different. Yeah, I volleyball. I, I, yeah, volleyball. I, I, uh, well, who knows? You know, maybe volleyball is the cure for the cure all for poverty. Who knows? It maybe really they is know one of those things. We don't know. It, I won't just say this about it's just Brett Favre. It is in so many athletes that they get this. It's never going to come back on me. I'm bigger than this. This is not going to be anything. This me directing this money this way. It's not not a big deal. It is to the people of Mississippi. Absolutely, it is. And I think you're right. I, I also believe that were this say. 20, 25 years ago, they would have gotten away with it. Absolutely. There would have been no way to track this no. down. You know, this is one of those things that social media, I think, really helps flesh out. Certainly, at least, at least helps spread the story like wildfire. But yeah, I don't, I think, I think they could have easily flown under the radar with this uh, in, in, in years past. But yeah, hey, we, live, we live in the future. The future is now. And I think everybody's gotten to the point where you know if you send out a text, if you tweet something, if you Facebook post, if you Instagram, even if you delete, it's still there. Yep. Somebody Always. has screenshotted that. Somebody will throw that back at you so fast. Why today, or even just 20, 2017, that's not that long ago. That's five years ago. We knew this back then, mm-hmm. that stuff doesn't just disappear. Mm-hmm. You don't just say delete and it's never seen again. Yeah, and they've got like the Wayback Machine on the internet. You know, you can right. go back and look at a, any certain indexed date and find things that were posted then. You're right. You got, I mean, but people aren't smart. I just think, <laughs> I, I, bottom line, people I, that do dumb stuff. And I honestly don't think it's that they're not smart. I think it's just they, well, they make dumb it's, decisions. It's just they don't think it's going to come back on That's them. That's right. That's right. Now, it is worth knowing or noting that neither Brett Favre nor Phil Bryant are criminally charged no, here. No, They've not been charged. They're, they're not accused even of, of uh, criminal wrongdoing. They are just, uh, there's an investigation that, that would indicate that they are part of this massive Welfare not, fraud. Not so lucky was Nancy New, who has 13, 13 felonies. 13. That's a bad number either way. Fraud, bribery, racketeering. Sound like John Gotti over here. All right, let's get out of this. Let's talk actual football. Actual football. Uh, play, uh, player of the week rankings out today. Yeah, my, my, my of course, my starting quarterback in my fantasy football team. Uh, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes? Absolutely. You could do a lot worse than that. I still friend. lost, by the way. Did you? The rest of my team. Even just, with Mahomes? Yeah, the rest of my team just fell asleep. This guy's doing all kinds of unbelievable stuff. I actually was digging through here, uh, looking at some of the, uh, it was on NFL.com, uh, looking at some of the, the, his, the, the stats and records for the week. Uh, Mahomes has got the most touchdowns without an interception in week one, but his five games with at least three passing TDs and no interceptions also tie Peyton Manning and Tom Brady for the most since 1950. Here's the rub here, though. Brady's played in the opening week 19 times. Manning, 17 times. Mahomes has matched them five times. That's right. all it took him. Five for five in week one. Yeah, I mean, he, this is his fifth year. I mean, mm-hmm. and you look at the numbers that you mentioned for Brady and for Manning. He's a special kind of player. and He, he really is. Keep in mind, he got hurt early in that game. His hand, I mean, not Dak hurt, but hurt enough, but he still threw five touchdown passes. Yeah. Yeah, five touchdowns, a 30 of 39, 360 yards, no no interceptions. He had a 144.2 rating. They definitely don't miss number 10. No, they do not. Mm-mm. They do. I, I don't think that uh, when, when you got a guy like Patrick Mahomes, yeah. you, you, know, you, you make, forget names. You like, could who, make anybody Tyreek Hill. You're and right. you still have Travis Kelsey, by the way. Right, right. So he looked great. Uh, sixth career game with at least five touchdown passes. That ties him with Dan Marino, Ben Roethlisberger for fourth all-time. Uh, eighth AFC Offensive Player of the Week award.
He's a good player. He, and he seems like a pretty stand-up guy. I yeah. mean, in short, Patrick Mahomes is good at football. Very good. I think that 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 would sum it up nicely. Yes, right there. Uh, also on the list, uh, Steelers defense. They were leading the way in the twenty-three twenty overtime win against Cincinnati. Uh, uh, looks like safety uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, AFC Defensive Player of the Week, 14 tackles. Yes, he took Joe Burrow's first pass attempt backwards mm-hmm. to the end zone, a pick six, if you will. 31 yards, I believe. Yes, went. I watched the game. We were actually, actually had several games on, but that was one of them because I was sitting with a bunch of my friends, and, of course, one is, okay, I'm a Bears fan, so that game was on, and one's an Eagles fan, so that game was on. One's a Steeler fan, so that game was on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, we were watching all of these games, and, Oh, to watch the Steelers, I really thought Cincinnati was going to get that at the end, especially when they caught that last touchdown pass, but just enough time on the board when they go to overtime and, well, field goals are field goals. And Fitzpatrick, he's, he blocked that point after attempt to send yes, the game into overtime. Exactly right. Big game for him. Uh, Cleveland Browns rookie kicker Cade York, AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Uh, over in the NFC, Offensive Player of the Week, Saquon Barkley. Back to his sensation. I was glad form. to see that. I was glad to see Saquon back. I mean, he's been a kind of a question mark. He's been injured the last couple of years. Yeah. He had the first couple this breakout season, and he was just projected to do so projected to do so well. And then his injuries; he's been, the last couple of seasons have been injury riddled. So I was glad to see him back and productive. Hopefully, he stays healthy on a surprising team that won. I, mean, I don't think anybody really had the Giants pick to win that game, and they stuck one out. And I hope he does stay healthy. He nine point one yards per carry. That's a long. That's, that's almost the first great. down every time he touches the ball. That is great. One hundred sixty-four yards on eighteen carries, six catches, thirty yards, one hundred ninety-four scrimmage yards. Also rushing touchdown and a two-point conversion. Again, if he stays healthy, he yeah. will do wonderful things for the Giants. Yeah, yeah. So great game for him, uh, and uh, not a lot of surprises on this list. A lot of guys that you would expect uh, if you if you watched Week One at all. You know, there were some, and of course we're going to get to the Cowboy information coming up a little bit later on. Dak. I will just say before we get into this, we knew this going into the season. I, I hosted the show with Brandon a couple of times, and I hosted with, with Ed and with Beto. We knew Dallas was thin at wide receiver. Right. But no one really talked about who the backup quarterback was going to be or who was. Now there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Not a problem. I mean, but who's going to step up and take that role? Did you hear who Stephen A. Smith suggested the Cowboys I was, pick up yeah, this week? I, I was going to bring Is that where you're course, getting at? I was going to get to that because I saw who he did recommend. Of course, he recommends this every single time a quarterback goes down. It's Colin Kaepernick. Right. Colin Kaepernick's 35 years old. It's also been, what, like five years since he played? Yeah. Also, if you you actually Google Colin's name, it doesn't say professional athlete. It says civil rights activist. Correct. And so when you look at a team like the Dallas Cowboys, an owner like Jerry Jones. Right. He probably doesn't want that messing around, muddying up his team. Either way, I mean, the Raiders gave him a tryout just like six months ago. He he's doesn't have the NFL-caliber arm anymore, apparently, because people have brought him in. They have tried this. I think we need to just stop bringing, just keep, just keep stop throwing his name out there just to throw it out there. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I think it was uh, Michael Irvin said something very similar. Yeah, he says, uh, let's stop with this Colin, Colin Kaepernick stuff. He's been out of football for, what, five years? Uh, let's stop thinking that we can just resurrect Colin Kaepernick. Right. Like he's going to come home and resurrect a football team. Right. And I that's mean, if, true. If, that, if that's the logic, then let's bring back Jay Cutler. Let's, um, <laughs> right. I mean, hey, let's see who else is out there. I mean, Jake Plummer, he retired early because he wanted to just be a, you know, I mean, let's bring some people back. Yeah. That's what we're doing. And well, and, and you know, and when you think about it, let's say Kaepernick had been out there. He, he's been getting up at before the crack of dawn every day since he's been out of football practicing, going at it hard, full speed, 110%, still doesn't matter because you still haven't actually been out there right. with the teams doing what you got to do. And I just, yeah, I, I, I'm with Michael Irvin. I'm with anybody else who would say that it, it's a bad idea, no matter what team you are, Cowboys or anybody else. You ask Colin Kaepernick at this point. Anybody that plays professional sports, there's being in shape and there's being ready to play ball shape. Right, right. And we do have more on the way uh, on uh, Dak Prescott's injury, uh, testing the Cowboys' plan already, talking more about who will be the backup uh, there in Dallas. Uh, That and a whole lot more on the way. Stick around. Patrick Osborne, Johnny Rude on the bullpen. The Bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 1027 ESPN. Well, I think that uh, Dak's injury certainly has uh, taken center front. 
and is a little bit of a red herring uh, relative, if you want to use that term, relative to focusing on uh, the uh, way we played. We have to uh, play better. We uh, had a better training camp than that showed in my mind. Cowboys in there, Jerry Jones, yesterday on uh, 105.3 The Fan up there in Dallas talking about Dak Prescott's injury. And, red herring. And he's calling it a red herring. Red well, herring. and he's not wrong. They did not play well. No, I mean, it wasn't just the Dak Prescott injury. They were they looked feeble when he was healthy before his injury. They, yeah. They, they have no no offense. They went. And, they, were the, they were the only team uh, all, throughout the, the entirety of week one that didn't score a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. True. I mean... Think about this. When you come out there and the defense knows, okay, there are two people on this offense that we have to worry about. Possibly Zeke, maybe Tony Pollard, and CeeDee Lamb. Yeah. Okay, we've got 11 guys out here. We take care of those three. We're good. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah, you just yeah load up. Load up on CeeDee Lamb. I mean, that's, that's a given. Pollard, too. And let's not forget that CeeDee Lamb is a slot receiver. Right. He's not running the deep route. So, again, who's, I mean, hopefully they'll get some of their running backs. Are there wide receivers coming back? I don't know. We knew they were one one wide receiver away from having no wide receivers, basically, with a bunch of rookies and people they brought in. Now we've got quarterback. And that is another issue. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And so now we're looking at. Cooper Rush. Cowboys are going to have to turn to Cooper Rush, right? Going to and with real Will Greer at the number two. And I will honestly say, during preseason, I thought Will had a better preseason, but that's just me. And again, that's third string on third string as opposed to Cooper second string. So. Right now, there has you know obviously Jerry Jones has given some optimistic news this week about Dak. Just in that you know initially as of Sunday, it looked like he was going to be out six to eight weeks. Right. Right. Uh, and then Jones, uh, also uh, on there on uh, 105.3 The Fan, said he's not going to be placed on the IR, and so there is some uh, some promising news here beyond that. In medical, nobody knows those timelines good, but if we thought he wasn't going to be ready to go for four games, until after four games, we would put him on IR. We're not doing that. We think he can come in and play, so we don't want to not have him out there practicing. We want him uh, getting prepared, and we'll see how he uh, handles this thing, how it uh, heals. Mainly how he can, uh, his strength, how he can grip the ball, what his status is. But that's not being an optimist. The proof is that uh, we got a good surgery, got good technique, and uh, feel uh, better about it than we did uh, Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, I think any Cowboys fan would. Is he shooting craps? It's yeah. like, what's that noise every couple of seconds? <laughs> it's like, like rolling crap. I, it that. seems like he's he's not even paying attention. He's just he's like his he's splitting his attention and he's trying to remember what words to say on yeah. his interview while he's shooting craps or whatever. Yeah. Uh but yeah, so not out six to eight weeks now. Possibility he could be back on October 9th, right? Week five road tilt against the Rams. And I, I like this. I, this they're trying to of course they're trying to fluff this as, as best they can for any Dallas Cowboy fans. Maybe for some of the odds makers out there, and they're so they're throwing it back to 2008 when Tony Romo missed three <laughs> games with a broken pinky finger, and they said the Cowboys went one and two in his absence with Brad Johnson and Brooks Bollinger. Remember those guys? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. listen, if I'm not mistaken, Brad Johnson went to a Super Bowl. Didn't he win it with Tampa Bay? I want to say he was their quarterback. I believe you're right. So certainly was not with with Dallas. So a caliber maybe a little bit better than you know. Cooper Rush. That's very likely. Now, Rush, uh, let's see here. He, he won the only start of his career back in 2016. That was week eight. I mean, I'm sorry, not uh, not in 2016. It was week eight of last year. Uh, going Felt like 2016. 20 and 16 is what I meant to say. Uh, 20, 20 to 16 against the Vikings. Uh, both Greer, uh, Greer lost both of his starts as a rookie in 2019 with the, the Carolina Panthers. I, you know, we don't know too much about these guys. Certainly the Cowboys, though, have gotten a little accustomed to life with Dak Prescott. That's why there's something to be said, and people have gone back and forth with San Francisco. Okay, they're going to make Trey Lance the starter, but we're going to pay a lot of money to keep Garoppolo as our backup because if your starting quarterback goes down, you should have somebody of quality behind them. No doubt. And this is glaringly true right now for Dallas. And I see that's where you find that. Maybe you go back and you find someone like, Andy Dalton, which I know they tried, but I mean, a more recent, someone who's got something maybe in the tank still that has shown something, or maybe one of these guys will step up and say, yep, I'm ready to take this team. I, I get, you know, time will tell. Um, I, and I'm starting to think that despite efforts by the Cowboys to 
paint a different picture. I'm starting to believe, too, that Dak is just injury-prone. I mean, you know, who's to say he doesn't come back in week five and then get hurt again? I hate to say that, but, I mean, look back at what's happened the last couple of seasons. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's been nagging injuries or it's been injuries that have just literally kept him out of games. Compound fracture and dislocation of his right ankle in 2020. He missed 11 games. Uh, Last season, he missed a game with a calf strain. Uh, It affected him for the rest of the season. Uh, That thumb injury, of course, uh, I think it was Thursday Mm -hmm. of uh, last week. He's limping around, blaming it on his cleats, new cleats. So, Cowboys is sitting there telling you that he's not injury prone, but I don't know. Uh, you, you're kind of having to make, you're really having to kind of work hard to make an argument for that anymore. Well, and this is the statement. I don't know if we have sound on this or not that Jerry said in that interview about Dak saying he thinks Dak is built to last. <laughs> Take that as you will. That was his quote, not mine. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like he'll rebound from this. Great leader. Well, of course he's going to rebound. He's a great, I agree. I mean, I've met Dak. He's a very nice guy. Extremely. Yeah. It's just uh, when somebody's hurt, they can't play or they can't play to the peak of what they could, and it's going to hurt the Cowboys. So where do you see the Cowboys ending this season? I know it's a long way to go. I, and but. I know they're trying to spin this, that Dak's injury may not be as bad as it is, but then even if they rush him back, is that a good thing? I don't know. I, I mean, I didn't have them more than 500 going into the season. And I think now this is even a harder hill to get to maybe six or seven wins. As, as, really? As it is right now. They certainly the looked way the they part played on, on, I mean, the way they played on Sunday. They looked apart, absolutely. Make a case that they could make more than seven games. Mm. Well, Mike McCarthy, head coach, says our theme this year is resilience. <laughs> You're going to have challenges, he says. You can't get there. You can't get to where you want to go without them. we got a bunch in week one. We're just charging forward. I don't know, man. It's a lot of lip Good service. Luck to you. Yeah, they're trying to. Jerry World needs to be sold out. That's never a problem. I'm going to see the Bears when the Bears play there in October, and I paid over two hundred and fifty dollars for the highest nosebleed seats you could find. So it's not so much filling that place, but well, you don't have such a great team or a competitive team. You're going to see a lot more visiting people, visiting teams in them stands because season ticket holders are going to start getting rid of their tickets, yep. sell them to make a little money because they don't really want to go watch. They'll stay at home and watch them and be bad. Prime example of that would be over in Major League Baseball yes. in Tampa Bay, right? On any given night when you go over to Tropicana Field, the majority, the, more than half the people in the stands are going to be there for the opposing team. And, and that's just, you know, that, that's, that's got to kill your, your, uh, your, your, your psyche, your mentality. Uh, as a player, so certainly that certainly don't want that. You have to think in every sport, every professional sport, there are teams that their fans will travel to anywhere. It can be across the country. They are going to have a lot of fans in certain clubs. That Chicago Cubs have that. I mean, St. Louis Cardinals have that. There are so many that just will travel. So yes, if you don't put a competitive team out there, your stadium might still be full. But it might not tilt all the way towards your fans. You're exactly right. Exactly right. Did you watch that Monday night game? I did. It was, <sighs> uh, what'd you think? It, it was, <laughs> I, I've, heard, I've heard mixed reviews. You know, some people thought it was a, it was, it was a compelling matchup. They thought it was, it it was. was great gameplay. Drew uh, a lot, lot of, of drama. It was uh, Russell Wilson going back to Seattle. Others thought it was a little campy. I tell you what, and I'm not surprised because it says here they pulled in 19, almost 20 million viewers, which is huge. That's huge. That is massive. And... It goes back to the preseason when the Bears – and I, I won't keep talking about the Bears, I promise. But it just so happens that they intertwine here. The Bears played Seattle in a preseason game in Seattle. And all they kept talking about was the return of Russell Wilson. Why? Because Monday Night Football's on ESPN. Mm-hmm. That's where this game was on. So they were selling it six weeks ago. So, yes, I wasn't surprised to see as many people. I was surprised when he got booed when he ran on the field. Were you really? I was that not. That is your all-time leading quarterback in every category. See, Brandon. Brandon's a big Seattle guy. Well, he's from Seattle. He's a big mm-hmm. Seahawks oh, I know. fan. I know. And he was in here. It was just gushing over over the the booing yesterday. Maybe he, it's he, a different he perspective. Feels justified. I, and I think I don't know. I guess Seattle feels betrayed by Russell Wilson. Uh, apparently, he was kind of a. They look at him as kind of a whiner, you know, a guy who was never satisfied and complained a lot, I guess. I he just look at him as a guy who could win you ball games. He took him to two Super Bowls. He won one, possibly could have won two, except a bad call right. instead of running the ball. Everybody knows that story. But, I mean, he's all, he would last remember the start of last year. He was supposed to be the MVP. Mm-hmm. Then he got injured. But, so, that was the best quarterback you've ever had, Seattle. And he came back and you boo him. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wish they actually. I wish Denver would have won. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, I I I just I, I didn't like to see it, but I'm I I I don't really have a dog in the fight. Don't I don't really really. care either way about the Seahawks or the Broncos. But I, I I'm with you. I was a bit surprised, but on the other hand. I wasn't surprised based on what I've heard from Brandon right. and others. And maybe there's more details that I don't know of. I mean, all we see is what the media portrays. And when you see it from not living in Seattle or in the Pacific Northwest, you just see the fluff pieces that they do during the game of the week on how he sits down. He talks about his rock star, his pop star wife, and how a great marriage they have. And what. So you don't see maybe some things that Brandon has seen or heard. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll reference Jay Cutler again. I mean, eh, I mean, there's certain things about certain players that just rub fan bases wrong. So if maybe that was Russell, maybe it was. When I say I wish Denver would have won, I think Denver was the better team. And when they missed that first field goal but got the timeout, they should never have tried to kick that second one. I know McManus has a huge leg. Yeah, but that was like 64 yards. 64, two yards away from the longest of all time that was just set last year. Yeah. And he missed the first one. They called timeout. That they should have they should have done something on fourth and five other, but that's my opinion. I don't get paid to coach. Yeah, no, I agree. I I agree wholeheartedly. Now you you mentioned the Bears, and knowing that you were going to be sitting in on the show, I pulled a little Bears. For I appreciate you. that. Yeah, I do. Uh, linebacker Roquan Smith expecting to face the best version of Aaron Rodgers after Packers Week One loss. Here's what I will tell you about the Chicago Bears Green Bay Packer rivalry. If it is a primetime game, which it is Sunday Night Football, Aaron Rodgers will win. Yeah, he's got the, the the history is certainly on his side. Absolutely. And I've seen games where the Bears have been ahead by two touchdowns. Doesn't matter if it's prime time on any network. If it's dark outside, Aaron will win this game. Plus, it's in Green Bay. I'm still not sold on Justin Fields. I think he performed C, maybe C-plus level-ish on Sunday. And they don't have a lot of weapons either. They're yeah. kind of like the Cowboys. They have one good running back, one wide receiver who, if you pick Darnell Mooney out of a crowd, you're his grandma. I'm telling you. I mean, that is just one of those things that, I mean, these guys are going to be good, but they're not there yet. Right. So I definitely think that the Bears are going to get beat. Aaron's going to have a little chip on his shoulder. But what targets are he th- is he throwing at? We saw, the, obviously, see the, the the drop, that the you know the very first the big bomb, and it went right through the guy's hands. Mm-hmm. Who's he throwing it to? So, yes, I think the Packers will win, but this is not going to be a huge blowout because neither team's got tools. You're right. You're right. Although, I mean, if history serves, the Bears have what, lost uh, what's like six straight matchups to the oh, yeah. Packers dating back Trust to 2018. Me, I know because I bet one of my friends back home in Chicago every game, and I've lost the last six in a row. Yeah. Yeah. So you could certainly put the Packers in an 0 2 hole as of Sunday. You know, and good. you could do, do yourself a favor just as a fan there. But see, then we would have this situation the Bears would be 2 0. And then if Minnesota wins, they would be 2-0, and and then Beto and I would be going head-to-head because, you know, he's a Vikings fan. So. Oh, he is. Yeah, and they pounded yeah. the pack on Sat on Sunday. Oof, that was another brutal mm-hmm. game. Uh, so uh, Roquan Smith uh, is uh, saying, though, he's he's pretty confident, even though I mean he's one of the few that's actually faced Rodgers on that squad, yes. and he's 1-7 against Rodgers in his career. And I will say Roquan games. is probably the best defensive bear I've seen since Brian Urlacher. He's wow. that good. Really? He's that good, that, huh? I mean, even when Khalil Mack was there. Oh, by the way, uh, San Diego Chargers fan, you think you're happy because he got three sacks in his first game for you, Khalil Mack did? Yeah, guess what? When they traded for the Bears, he had three sacks in that game, too. And you're going to find somebody who's making a lot of money take a lot of third down plays off because he's not quite ready to be on the field. Mm. Mm. So you're, what, you're taking the Bears to win? Sunday? No, no, you're no. not. I'd love. I, I think you're it's going to be close. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I don't know what the spread is. I'm going to guess since it's in Lambeau, it's got to be at least a 14 point spread. Yeah, let's see. I feel like I saw that somewhere, but I I don't have it in front of me. I think you're right. That I I definitely believe that the uh, I just don't think so. And I think the Bears have a strong enough defense, like they did in 2008, like they did in 1985. Not saying it's going to take them to the Super Bowl. Oh, good God, no! If they win six games, I'll be pleasantly surprised. But I don't think they'll win, but I think they'll keep it fairly close. Well, uh, of course, Aaron Rodgers had a little something to say about that, uh, talking about how he's dominated the rivalry, famously telling a Soldier Field crowd once, and of course he owns Soldier Field. Just last year. Yeah. Uh, And I've got a little bit more on Aaron Rodgers coming up. He's weighing in a little bit. He was on Bill Maher's 
podcast. Of course. Weighing in a little bit on the, the, the whole COVID vaccine situation yes, in sports that. yes. that's not going away. And he's not only weighing in on himself, but other athletes as well who have stood their ground and, and uh, have chosen not to take the vaccine amid mandates and whatnot. Apparently, now that he let his hair grow out like a hippie, he just talks about things that he just talks about. The guy likes his drugs, apparently. apparently and, he and he also likes to do Only his, the legal kind. Yeah, right, right. Ayahuasca and whatnot. He right. also does a great Nick Cage impression, looking like he rolled out of Con Air okay. off the set of 1997 or whatever nice. that was the other day. Yeah. So we'll get into that. Also, some baseball news coming up. Uh, we've got uh, the NL West has now been clinched. That and a whole lot more on the way in the bullpen. This is the bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 1027 ESPN. And welcome back to the bullpen on this Wednesday afternoon. Patrick Osborne, Johnny Rude in with you here on 1027 ESPN. We're talking some football today. Happy hump day. Happy uh, hump day. Now that I know say that again. Monday part three. However you want to look at it. Monday Semantics, the third. my Monday friend. Monday the third. Semantics. Uh, so we, were, we, were, we, we mentioned Aaron Rodgers before the yes. break. Of course, uh, viewed as one of the more polarizing figures in sports these days, at least when it comes to things like COVID vaccines and whatnot. Uh, and he's expressed some some pretty strong sentiments against vaccine mandates, uh, and and uh, not not only for athletes but for everybody. Uh, he's famously chosen not to take them in the past. Ah, but he didn't exactly tell the truth about. But that, he didn't either. tell the truth about it. You're right. right you're right. Uh, but he was on uh, Bill Maher's. It's the uh, Club Random podcast with Bill Maher. And he shared some candid thoughts on uh, 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 criticism, his displeasure for COVID vaccine policies, uh, specifically when it comes to uh, Novak Djokovic, obviously, who, who has also uh, made plenty of headlines recently for right. his, his uh, un- unwillingness to take the, the vaccine as well. But the best f-ing player in the men's right. side can't play. Me- and I- one of the most fit guys in the f-ing world. That's the Who's point. had COVID at least once, if not twice. It's, it is can't a f-ing come to New York. Uh, and, and wow. you know, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I can't say I fully disagree with them. No, I, I would say don't, don't ever book him as a as a guest because you guys dropping the f bomb three times in a three sentence uh, paragraph. Have you have statement. you seen this video, the, this no, uh, podcast? So they're sitting there in these kind of I don't know lounge chairs or something, real relaxed, smoking cigars, just chatting. And it's definitely Aaron being Aaron. You know, I kind of thought my Bill Maher days were behind me, but now the fact that he's just interviewing people like not politicians, and yeah. they talk about other athletes. Okay, slow day. Slow, when, he gets off, slow news day. when he gets off to politics, though, I actually don't mind listening to him. Yeah, I, I, I don't yeah, care what side of that. the political aisle he's on. If yeah. he's talking about it, I'm, I'm not going to get away. And he's one right. has said that you know it's really hard to do what he does now because you're in that cancel culture. Right. So you can't actually really say what you want to say all the time. Right. Uh, so that was there, of course, uh, Aaron Rodgers talking about Novak Djokovic, calling him one of the best effing players in the world, and he said he can't play. Uh, but then the conversation turned over to seven-time All-Star, Ky- uh, well, I'm sorry, no, it turned over to, to Kyrie Irving. Yeah. All right? Uh, even when New York put a vaccine mandate in place for private employers, which meant for a time unvaccinated professional athletes weren't allowed to play in home games. But the mandate was revised. That allowed uh, Kyrie Irving to play in Brooklyn near the end of his last season. And while he was puffing on that big cigar, Rodgers weighed in on that. You know what's even worse than that, though? Kyrie Irving attended a basketball game courtside but couldn't play for his team. Right. Are you? How is that possible? Well, also. He attended a basketball game and got to watch it in the stands but couldn't play on his team because he wasn't vexed. Make it make sense. That's all I'm saying. Make it make sense. I, you know what? And I think that 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 last make it make sense. Right. I think that's what we that all makes desperately sense. want that. Right. Exactly. Because he's right. He's like, yeah, you can't play, but you can sit here. You know, you you you, you can be in attendance. You just can't be around us. You can be around anybody else. Just not a like, why uh, the, these rules. I don't know, yeah. Again, this goes back to when the vaccines and the mandates were a bigger daily issue than they are right now. Right. I was actually surprised because I was contacting some winners for some, for some rock and roll shows, and there still are some shows where they require documentation, and I still find that a little strange at this point. But, you know, back then when Kyrie couldn't play, I don't know why they let him in the stadium because that's what really doesn't make sense. If you don't want him because he's not vaccinated, then don't let him come in. I Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that doesn't make sense. So, yeah, yeah typical Aaron Rodgers, I... I, I I can't say that I like him less nowadays with his more laid-back sort of... It's interesting because he never was, other than the discount discount double-check that you remembered from him... Seemed like a pretty clean-cut dude. He was pretty low-key, but then he dated Danica Patrick, and then all of a sudden they broke up, and he's just been off ever since a little bit. Yeah. 
well, women have a tendency. That, no, Danica will have that, I think. What, is, uh, what was the old line from Mickey Goldmill from Rocky? Women weaken legs. <laughs> yeah, they have a way, yeah. <laughs> uh, just another real quick note of the NFL. Uh, I just found this to be quite interesting. Detroit Lions, underdogs in 24 straight games. No longer underdogs going into this week. I was actually kind of surprised it's only 24. Yeah. Seems like they've been underdogs for a long time. Of course, they're going up against Washington. Yeah, the was, Commanders. Yeah. I'm finally getting to the point where I can remember to say that. I know. I've been having a problem myself. I still uh, can't do Cleveland in the, in the NBA and in in baseball. The That's Guardians, it me. still doesn't, it doesn't sound right to me. No, it doesn't. It Cleveland doesn't. Guardians. Give me something better. Right. Guardians. But, so, oh, well. Anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, congratulations, Detroit. Yeah, and, Detroit. And the Browns favored to start 2-0 for the first time since 1993, back when Bill Belichick was still with them. So how about so, that? So, not to throw this out there, if, if they go 2-0, they start the season 2-0, we count down to, to Deshaun. <laughs> Are they going to be playoff bound? Do you sit Jacoby? Jacoby Brisket? Way too early to tell, obviously, but... I can see this stirring in the media already. You can't yet. Well, it, it, they're just they're just salivating to bring Deshaun Watson's name back into their mouths. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I could I could go the rest of my life to quote Will Smith, get his name <laughs> out of my mouth <laughs> and out of my brain. I don't think that was a direct quote, but you get it. Close enough, my friend. Close enough. Uh, let's see. And uh, over to the bullpen. Or the the bullpen. See, this is the second day I've done that. Now over to over the, to the bull- over to the ballpark. ballpark. We, we now go. Line drive caught, and that's it. The Dodgers steamroll their way to another division title. Back on top in the West. A ninth division championship in 10 years. 98 and 43, and they clinched the division in the 141st game. Now, that's the earliest that the Dodgers have uh, clinched that uh, since the franchise relocated to L.A. in 1958. 141 games is all it took him to do that. I mean, that is pretty amazing when you think of it. He's just, and he did a lot, he threw a lot of math at us there, you know, 98 and 43 and, you know, 141 games, whatever the, the numbers were. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's, it's been a, a great dominant year for the Dodgers. They and have absolutely dominated from bell to bell. Well, the, Final bell hadn't even run yet. I can't think of what it would be like if Vin Scully were still around. How exciting he would! How excited he would be about this. Oh, Vin, 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 Vin! One of the greatest, and we lost him. Ah, oh, one of the greatest to ever I do it. I was actually just thinking about him the other day because I was every once in a while if you go on YouTube and I would Google a lot of like sports videos and different things, and there was like a Vin Scully montage. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he one was of, great. One of my favorite Vin Scully stories actually has been an inspiration of mine since I was younger, and he tells this story about how when he was a kid. Uh, in New York, sitting underneath the table with a radio on it, listening to a Texas OU football game, and how that game didn't mean anything up there, but the crowd did. Yes. And so he learned from that, and as he moved on into his career, his thing was, I learned to just call the play, shut up, and let the crowd do the rest. And I, I've I always it, thought that was p- so perfect. Go back to the Kirk Bissett home run in the World Series. Mm-hmm. Very little said. Mm-hmm. Very little. Yeah, uh, and and obviously, I mean, to this day, remembered as one of the greatest home runs of uh, the 20th century. Certainly. My favorite part of that is seeing all the brake lights of the L.A. Dodgers fans leaving the stadium as the ball goes <laughs> to, the, the, to the right field fence because Los Angeles, notorious fans for coming early or coming late and leaving early. Mm-hmm. So as Kirk Gibson was literally winning you a World Series game, there is a stream. Next time you see that video, look in the background. All the brake lights heading out. <laughs> in a season that's been so improbable, right. you're in a World Series has game. Happened. At a World Series game, stay, stay for nine innings. It will, and, you know, you got to know too that it, it's baseball. Magic right. happens. Right. You could sit there for four and a half hours with nothing, and then the most magical thing you've ever seen would happen. That's why you don't leave. Exactly. I mean, you know, if the Cubbies are down twenty-one nothing. Well, then, yeah, All right, maybe, might, maybe you could leave the friendly conference. They can right? rally. They'll rally for two. Yeah? Yeah. Won't be a shutout. Cubbies haven't been looking so good. No, they have not. Unfortunately. No. They are not clenching the uh, the. No, they're, they're clenching, but it's a <laughs> lower part else. of their body. It's a lower <laughs> part of their body. It's not playoff tickets. So the Dodgers, uh, they are the, the, they, they've uh, reclaimed the NL West. This is uh, the, the, their ninth NL West title in 10 seasons. As you heard there, they're 98 and 43 for the season so far. Looking really, really good. Uh, they have, you know, upgraded their roster this year, overflowing all-stars. Of course, that marquee move was when they picked up Freddie Freeman. Absolutely. 
And they signed him to that six-year, $162 million deal. But listen to this. They're juggernauts. They've got a, 300, a plus 320-run differential. They're 30 runs above the franchise record set by the 1889 Brooklyn Bridegrooms. <laughs> There's a jersey you should have. I know. And they may become the first MLB team to score at least 300 more runs than they allowed since the 2001 Mariners did it when they won 116 games in, 19, I mean in 2001. Wow. 98 victories, 21 regular season games to play. I mean, it know. could happen. Yeah, it yeah. sure could. Absolute juggernaut of a team. So good for them. Good for them. And going over to Even the American the League. Yeah, I'm not a big fan either. But going over to the American League, the other juggernaut. Uh, what in the oh. in, in the Bronx? In the Bronx. Yeah, it started like this last night. Swung on and drilled to deep right field. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. And to the Boston bullpen, a judgy and blast. Aaron Judge drills into the right center field bullpen as he rounds third. All rise. Here comes the judge. Wow. All right, before we go any further, you're never going to convince me that John Sterling doesn't like to take a few drinks before he goes on oh, the air and calls the Yankees game. I had a flashback because when I was in college at Winona State, I, I worked at our college radio station, and I did like three games of you know play-by-play for the Winona State Warriors, and I had to come up with some sort of... Home run. We didn't hit a lot. I only had to do it like twice. Yeah. And my big one was outgoing mail. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? He just kicked my butt with that judgy and whatever. And oh, he, he's all always rise, Here the, comes the judge. An A bomb for A Rod. I mean, it's constantly. Yeah, yeah. Here's me sitting in a cornfield. Outgoing mail. That's not bad, though. You know, that's probably better than I could come up with. Yeah, you know. So you heard there, Aaron Judge, number fifty-six on not the season. Not done yet. And he's not done yet. So this is a big deal. He's now tied with Alex Rodriguez for the second most home runs in a season by a right-handed hitter in the American League. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's one shy of tying Hank Greenberg, who did it in 1938, and uh, Jimmy Fox, who did it in 1932. I like the fact, you see who they're saying how many more until he passes? Roger Maris. They're not saying Sammy. They're not saying McGu- They're saying Roger Maris. Well, that's... well. I, I, so for one thing, I agree. You yes. know, I, I agree to the extent that uh, I don't believe that... Sosa or McGuire, as exciting as 1998 was for me, I don't believe they did it cleanly. I certainly don't believe Bonds did it cleanly. But uh, I, Maris remains a big deal because he's still it's still the American League yes. single-season home run record. It's the Yankee single-season home run record. Uh, so and, and, and so it's still the benchmark for, for a lot of people there in the Bronx. I would love to see Judge do it. Uh, I, I'm a Red Sox guy. I was going to say, they're doing this against your Red Sox. I know, I know, and I can't stand that... I can't stand that it's going on over there. So you don't rise when he rounds third, because here comes the judge. No, I sit. I sit. You, Seems you, like you, that should be a TV show you, during the day. All rise. All rise. So that's, see, that's what he's going to do when he, when he... Judge, judge. When he retires from baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever... Uh, Arrested Development? Yes. My name is Judge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All... Yeah, Judd... Uh, was it Judd... Judge no, Reinhold. Judge Reinhold. Judge Reinhold, right. yeah. Right. So he's uh, now... Uh, so 57 home runs this year. One shy of tying the AL record for most in the season by a right-handed hitter. Uh, it's his 10th multi-homer game of the year. Tied for third most in the season in Major League history behind only Sammy Sosa, Hank Greenberg, uh, both who had 11. He's 20 home runs more than anybody that, else. That right is now. what is impressive. Yeah. 20. Yeah. You've got Kyle Schwarber, who's got 37 home runs. Hell of a season right there. And he's 20 back of Aaron Judge. And I believe <sighs> I believe he's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Mike Trout's got... 35. I believe it's close. So, close so he's that. 22 up on Trout, who's one of the greatest players of this entire generation. This guy, Judge, is not... It's like uh, Aaron Boone, Yankees manager, said, I'm pretty much out of adjectives. And I kind of am, too. You know, I, Leave I, it up to the announcer. He'll he'll take it. He he's raised his it. batting average. Went 3 for 4 last night. Batting average up to 310. Yeah, I mean, let's not take it because, you know, a lot, notoriously, a lot of home run hitters, not great hitters. Historically, that Average has been wise. the case. Right. I right. mean, they can hit the ball long, but they can't hit it every time. Yeah. It, I remember growing up, it was real common for, for guys to have like 40 homers batting like 228. Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. It was either a home run or out. Yeah. It's, things have changed a lot. Yes. And so, yeah, now he's 57 home runs. He's batting 310 with, what did I see here, 123 ribbies. 
So good for him. He's having a, he's a monster season. He's a big dude. He's and huge. He's what, like six seven? I think at least six six, six seven. Yeah. I thought he was just a goofball when he showed up and he and he totally proved me wrong. And he's on a team where he's not the only stud on that team. He's playing like it right now. He is, but they've got a lot of talent on that team. It's, if it is truly because I think what the consensus is is it's either going to be Dodgers and Yankees in the World Series or a Subway Series with the Mets and the Yankees. You think the Yankees are going to – you don't think it's going to be the Dodgers-Astros again? I don't know. I think it'll be Dodgers-Astros personally. It, it could be, but one of those New York teams might be in the – I think one of those might sneak in. See, I think it's going to come down in the LCS, Astros, Yankees. I think it's probably going to go six games, and I think the Astros will take it. And then the Dodgers will be out for blood for what happened in 2017. If what you just said is true, I know a guy at the bar I hang out will buy you a beer. Yeah, one of the biggest Houston fans there is. Well, I, I love I love the Astros. Big big Astros fan. Uh, also a big Red Sox fan, and so I hate that the judge has been knocking the cover off the ball at Fenway Park. Uh, he was actually asked yesterday because uh, uh, so here's the deal. Uh, he's actually about to he'll hit unrestricted free agency in the offseason after avoiding arbitration earlier this year with a one year nineteen million dollar deal. Right. So one reporter asked him. Would you ever play for the Red Sox? Ooh. And he said, uh, we'll talk about that at the end of the year. Yeah, at least like, I'm not going to rule that out. Not no, answer. Yeah. Mm. I, listen, I, I, when you're a guy like Judge, you could go anywhere. True. Now, if you want to win World Series, okay, great. You could maybe do it in, in New York. The, the possibility is always there. Possibility is also there often in, in Boston. I would argue it's a better town, better ballpark, more sure. history. Better fans. Lean a little bit that better way. Better uniform. I mean, here's the thing with me is that I, I guess I'm old school. Like, if a team like New York gave me the chance and put me out there and I got to do what I did, I would probably do my best to not be their rival. Yeah. I, w- I would give them that respect, at least yeah. not right away. That doesn't mean don't come to Boston later in your career, but don't go there first. Right? Don't go there right away. I Yeah. I don't know. He. I, I, I think when you look at guys like, uh, like Andrew Benatendi, right, he goes from Boston over to over to New York. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, one of many who have made the swap. Typically, fans are pretty receptive. You know, yeah, I mean, I, unless but, your last name, unless, you're, unless your name rhymes with Balix Bodbigas, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, I think you'd be pretty welcome. You know, well, A Rod would not. You get punched in the, start the streets of the show of Boston talking about Russell Wilson. So that's true. Who knows? Fans these days, right? Although you know the Boston fans better. So I do. I do. At, at Boston, Fenway Park is, is uh, it's, it's great. The, the fans are actually really great. And, and Fenway, of course, is where, where the, uh, the the Carolina is sweet and the water is dirty. Mm-hmm. Indeed. I get it. I get it. For my honeymoon, my wife and I were there at Fenway. We were actually up there. Uh, and our, was she happy with that? It was her idea. Is that like buying her a scale for her birthday? That's her idea. Okay. I, I mean, she knows that I'm a big Red Sox fan. I've been trying to get her more of a you know a baseball gal uh, over the years. But you no, know, it was her idea. She got us amazing seats. We're second, second row right there just to the pretty much where the Red Sox will stand when they're on deck. Oh, okay. I mean, I was, I was sitting there, had a brief chat with Mookie Betts back before he defected. Oh, really? Uh, so it was great. Yeah, maybe that's why he defected. Yeah, maybe it is. They're yeah. going to let people like this I'm in the stadium. I'm out. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Judge could do worse than going to Boston. I think so. Uh, you've been following Albert Pujols and his quest for I have, 700? And, you know, I hope he gets it. I do. Um, so he's you're, playing for the Cardinals. You're so a Cubs uh, fan, right? Right, right, right. So you hate the Cardinals. Yes. I, I, I could. I could. They are confidently my, say they that are my Green Bay Packers. They are your Green Bay yes, Packers. Yes. Now, back when they were in the when the Astros were in the National League, I felt very similar as yes. you do, because the Cardinals were basically the Astros' killer. Yeah, for all but two thousand five. Right. Uh, so I could not stand Albert Pujols, and now I I can't think of a guy that I have much more respect for in all of baseball. Did it turn around for you during the home run derby? No, the All Star game. No. I think that's when it started to turn for me a little bit. No, in fact, for years I held it against Albert Pujols for hitting that homer in Game Five against Brad Brad Lidge at Minute Maid Park in the 2005 LCS that silenced the juice box. And I mean, even though the Astros went on to clinch the next game in Game right, Six right. in St. Louis, I d- I didn't forget Pujols for that for like 15 years. So you know, I'm just win. now getting over it. I, I I mean, it took me a while, but mm-hmm. it was. Finally having him go to uh, Angels. or Yeah. And not having to see or hear from him on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So that when he came back, and I kind of forgot about it. I thought maybe he'd already retired. And then I saw him, and I watched the All-Star game, and I watched the Home Run Derby, and I kind of got, oh, wow, he's still there. And then I heard how close he was getting to 700. 
when you're this close, I hope you get there. He's I really 42, do. and he's and he's really had a, a resurgent season. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has been it has been really fun to watch. So he's at 697, fourth all time. The only guys ahead of him: Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron, Barry Bonds. All those guys are in 700 territory. But he's also pushing some other. Right now, he ranks fourth in the MLB with 122 sack flies behind Robin Yount's 123. So he's pushing mm-hmm. pushing up on the on the rest for that. Uh, another list he's pushing up on. His at-bats, 11,370, behind Ty Cobb's 11,440. Never heard of him. Pujols is 11th in the MLB with 1,903 runs. Derek Jeter's got 1,923. The great Tony Gwynn had 951 multi-hit games, and Pujols is 10th in the MLB with 942. All so, well easily within him yeah. to, to, to do this. So. so I would love to see him come back for one more season. I really would. I'd love to see him get up there and break Babe Ruth. I'd like to see him hit 715. I think it would be a great because I believe Pujols is – Mostly done this about as clean as you could in this era. Now keep this in mind too, as he's chasing all these records, they have really only played him against left-handed pitchers. Yeah, so that's right. he's not playing every game. That's right. That's right. Uh, so as we're up against the clock here, I, I was just uh, have you you follow much of the flap with, between the PGA and the Live Golf? I do. I do. So Rory McIlroy has been speaking out uh, again. You know, basically just doubling down, reiterating that uh, he said, "quote Those guys shouldn't be on the Ryder Cup team." So basically, live golf players should not be allowed to be a part of the uh, Ryder Cup next year. Uh, and it's not the first time he's spoken out, but live golf, of course, launched its inaugural season this year. They don't have a broadcasting partner. And so still on the lookout for a U.S. partner. Right now, you can stream everything on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But apparently, Apple TV has, is now the first streaming carrier to turn down the opportunity to broadcast live golf because, quote, it's too toxic. It, it is for now, especially. Yeah, I I, st- I I I can't say yes or no on which way. I mean, I these it's guaranteed money, which is the biggest part of the live tournament. But should they be able to be on the Presidents Cup, Ryder Cup, all these different things? I can tell you this much: that if the PGA Tour, the American representation, starts bringing guys that people haven't heard of that aren't the top ten in the world, clients aren't going to latch onto that. Right. People aren't going to buy tickets to that. So here, I, that's my thought anyway. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I would love to see both both leagues just kind of come together. You know, give us give us a little uh, Aerosmith moment, you know? At some point they'd have to, but it's still raw. I mean, this is it. This is the first year we've done this, and they've stripped so many players, high-name players from PJ Tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really have. Uh, but, well, you know, we'll see what happens. It's going to be a while until uh, uh, the, the dust settles here, but maybe Hulu, Amazon Prime, I don't know. But right now, Luke Who's going to be the villain? St- still doesn't have a streaming partner. They will. They will indeed. Well, that's going to do it for us today on the bullpen. I appreciate you standing in with us this Thanks afternoon. Thanks for any time, man. Anytime. The great Johnny Rood in for Brandon Elkins, who will uh, probably be back tomorrow. Of course, I'm Patrick Osborne. You can catch us every day here at 1027 ESPN on the bullpen. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>